Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network. I'm Leah Wetzel, Montana's Peer Network Drop-In Center Coordinator. I'm very honored and privileged we're here in Helena today for our MPN conference. And I grabbed some amazing individuals that just got done presenting. And I will let you, or we'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Hi, thank you for the invite. It's been fantastic to be here and really be with other people that are in recovery and being able to share our experiences. But um, my name is April Seat and I'm the director of outreach for Hope Rescue Mission. I'm Daniel Woodward. I'm an outreach specialist at Temporary Safe Outdoor Space for Hope Rescue Mission. I also work with peers one-on-one. Yeah, thank you, Leah, for the invite. It's really great to be a person in recovery wrapped around a bunch of other peers in recovery as well to get my cup full filled. Right. My name is Jessica Colton and I'm the drop-in center coordinator with Hope Rescue Mission. And Jessica and I got the chance to, our road, well, both of our roads were already going, we were already on our journey then, but went through PS 101 training. So it's an honor to be able to see you and your journey and um, be able to watch and, and start to be a part of this drop-in center work. And so just listening to your presentation, hearing that evolving story of what you guys brought, will you let our listeners give us a little brief on on what you presented today? All right. I will try to do this without my notes. No. Um, (laughs) Really, um, we got to a place in our community that we, like, the same things that we were doing weren't working anymore. And it's like, how can we do things different? But we all bought into of the bigger picture of relationship and how can we create relationships amongst each other and not working in silos and really find a way because we all serve the same people, but we had to throw our agendas aside. And so it took some time for that to actually come together and us um, get to a place where there wasn't anyone worried about their territory. And mm-hmm. so once we all got to this place, I mean, it was, it was hard. It sounds easy now that we like when I talk about it, but it was hard, you know, we all had to be committed to the change and what it looked like. But in working with them, um, what we found is the education piece. There's a lot of people that you know are in college and they're social workers and they dive into that, that realm of it, but really not have the lived experience to understand how they're gonna put things into action. So right. policies and procedures and foundations and, um, you know, rules and codes and all the stuff that they use to build these things i mean it's great it's a great foundation in place but the problem what i seen was how do they know what they actually need if they're not asking Mm -hmm. so when when i was asked to the table that's exactly what my portion was is the unity piece but bringing that lived experience and so with me being able to sit at the table and just share like this was my struggle i was an addict for 25 years i would i didn't want to be one but the way I grew up was just different. You know, I was 12 years old when I got offered meth and I didn't know any better, but I knew I was in pain from something that I wasn't receiving. And 
you know, you never know what you're going to like or how your, your life's going to go. And then you do that one thing and it changes the direction of your path. Right. And that's something that they didn't get to hear at that level is like, instead of being like, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? Yes. Like what happened? You change it. Instead of how can I help you? How can I support you? Because help is temporary. Like I'm going to help you through this, through this challenge. And then you're on your own, but how can I support you? Walk with you. And so they just really needed to see those things early on. And they started to see that this group that we were forming was starting to change the way we were putting systems into place. And the, na- the, the system to navigate is incredibly hard. You know, you walk into like a human resource council and they are wonderful with information. That's what they do. 211, phenomenal information. But what, what we've seen, you know, I've seen at Hope Rescue Mission, the gap was like, where's the relational piece? When are, is someone going to be able to walk in with that card they've been handed a million times, go to these eight different places, and they just send you everywhere else? And really, those organizations never communicated. You know, just just a resource list out here, go figure it out so that they're out of your hair. So once it came into where we were, I just really seen that. I'm going to sit down with them, and I'm going to advocate for them. And it changed because they didn't have to make those calls. And the relationships that we were starting to build with like YWCA, Salvation Army, the Pavarello, um, tons of nonprofits. Now there's a warm handoff. Like, hey, I'm going to introduce you to my friend that is going to help with the, the housing support part of it. And so that's how we started to, to create this change. Um, and now the people that we're actually working with, it's not someone that we have supported and helped with a need. It's like, okay, we're going to have this um, we're going to have this conference or this meeting with media or with our city leaders. Could you come in and share your story? Because it's not about us. You know, it's about like, this is the person that you guys said yes to when you guys all agreed to come together. And that's one thing that, that has changed. It's not about us. It's about people that are, that need help. And how can we do that with all different cultures, all different types of people that you can sit at the table and there's nothing different amongst anyone else. Right. You know, we have one thing in common, the common ground is we all are serving the same people. So how can we do it the best that we can? That's beautiful. And so some of what you shared, you shared about your little bit of your own lived experience and how you ended up where you're at working. Would you like to share with our listeners um, a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was a kid, around like 10, I think. Uh, so I used to visit my mom, Jessica's actually my mom. And I used to visit on and off like California and Montana till like the age of 10, after like 10 or 12. And then I didn't know what happened at the time. I uh, It just felt like I was abandoned in a way just because I didn't understand the other side of it, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, was, yeah. I was just a little kid like trying to understand and we went like 12 years without talking or communicating, mainly my choice because it was hard. And uh, yeah, now we're um, back together. Uh, I dealt with a lot of trauma with previous like uh, stepmom, different traumas in my past. But uh, I visited a couple times after 12 years of not talking. And uh, it just felt more like home than where I was at and um which was weird of course because it was only a couple times visiting 
I just felt lost and moving up here was probably a better decision and it led me in the right direction and now I know who I am. Mm -hmm. yeah. God, I love you so much. <laughs> Why, that is all tearing up. And your voice is so powerful. Um, and just sharing a little bit of my lived experience and, and situation with my kids, you know, they were separated from me for eight years. One went to the res, one went, you know, stayed in Great Falls. Their dad went to federal prison and I went to state prison. And same thing, there were, there were two, but they were like two and three. And so, um, you know, I always tell them, I, you know, I, I say, you can talk to me, you know, you can talk to mm -hmm. me about it. you're allowed, it, we're allowed, but we can't throw it in each other's face, yeah. you know, because they're still hyphy teenagers. But your voice is so powerful because that's in all these organizations, recovery and behavioral health organizations, there's a lot of word about wanting to start a youth program or a youth board. Mm -hmm. And we need peer supporters that are your age. So kids that are in high school have somebody to look up to. There's hope inside of there. There's, yes. They're the other side of what we heard. And really just being able to see the other side and him be able to speak to that. It's just been an incredible experience, especially at our job and centers. Him, you know, sharing, like, listening to someone say, well, I, I won't get my kids back. And I won't, you know, you're just in this place of brokenness. And it's amazing. I've watched them two out there. And I watch him bring life back to a, a community. And even though he's young and they want to resist the help, he also gets to say, hey, listen, I don't know what you walked through, but I'm, I'm the one that was left behind. I'm the one that was hurt. I was the one that you know, didn't want this relationship, but now look what, look what can happen when everybody recovers, yeah. you know, the restoration piece that fits in. And so I love um, that I have this team and that he was brought here and he chose to stay because there wasn't a question that I'm like, I will. And I told my bosses, like, if anything goes wrong, I a hundred percent put my neck on the line, but I want to do this because this is what they need. Yeah. We need to see that in recovery. Yes. Like, what did we hurt? It's a reminder every day that I don't want to go back because this is what, this is what I heard. And I don't want to lose any more time. Yep. And being the parent in it, and I'm a single mom too, it's not, it's not always easy to be on that receiving end, but continue your, for you to continue your healing and growth process and helping others. And, you know, Jessica, you have a huge uh, purpose in life and I'm really excited to get with you with this criminal justice work and you know it takes a big person to to you know be accountable for these things and I really think that is what allows the healing within our, our youth within our next generation but um you shared about um a little bit about you and your son and you shared some of stories success stories um would you share a little bit about you know what brought you to this line of work and and how has it played into your life your family's life so i came from a a very traumatic past myself my dad was a heroin addict who eventually od'd when i was 19 
but I felt like I was born into addiction. My whole life was hustle, houselessness. You know, I didn't know how to cope with anything because I didn't have any love and support from my family. So, you know, and I swore I was never going to be that person to my kids. But of course, as a result, I did. I didn't do things the same way they did, but I did it. You know, and I always swore I'm never going to put a needle in my arm. I'm never going to do this like my dad. I'm never going to abandon my kids. I don't want to carry on that hurt. But to cope with it, I did use substances and chose to look for love in the wrong places. You know, I sought out men, women. It didn't matter what it was. I just wanted to fill that hole in my soul mm. and wanted someone to love me. So as a result of that, I did hurt a lot of people, including my children. You know, they didn't know when I was incarcerated that that was what was going on. So they felt abandoned. In my heart, I felt like I was protecting them from the chaos I lived as a child. So I just disappeared. Because right. that was easier for me than facing. Yeah. Becoming what my parents were. <laughs> but so I spent 38 arrests incarcerated. 32 of them were in a five-year span. Because I couldn't deal with the hurt of my kids not talking to me. But I didn't see it as abandonment. I saw it as a protection mechanism you know, and a coping mechanism. And then my son came back in my life a couple years ago and I was just astonished like that God could do that. And all I knew was I needed to stay sober one day at a time. I didn't get into peer support work right away. I chose to let God lead me where he wanted me. You know, I knew I had a lot of healing to do before I could go out in the community and help anybody else. And so that's what I did. And it took four years of doing that before God put it on my heart that I needed to, you know, that my time is here. <laughs> I didn't know what that looked like. And I just kept choosing to walk and follow that leadership. And, you know, it was a t really tough road. But I love to serve others, especially those getting out of incarceration. I spent many years where my release date was coming up and I get released and I showed up to a house with one backpack in a drug house because I didn't know where to go. That's all I knew for 27 years. So I showed up and I didn't use, I chose not to use that time when I got a job the next day, why everybody's using it in the bedroom. But I did, I had no support and nowhere to live. So I chose this career because I wanted to be that person I never had mm -hmm. as a guide. Like I was just thrown to the wolves. Okay, you got to tackle, pay all these courts. You got to do this, but you have nowhere to live and you have no... Yeah. no employment to meet the needs and demands of the courts and I just felt like I was in a vicious cycle that was never going to end so I would continue to use because I'm like okay I'll just wait for the next warrant <laughs> and then I'll right. just wait till they pick me up again because they wouldn't the system wasn't doing me justice right the system was not going to set me up they were setting me up for failure and that's how they made me feel the POs just one waiting for that one opportunity for me to give a dirty UA and I was going back so that I felt hopeless Right. in many areas of my life and you know I I just want to be a part of the solution and not the problem and that's why I love advocating for the criminal justice piece I want to help folks before they get released to be able to have some support some resources or at least just have a peer support to walk alongside them and know that hey I have someone I can call the minute I get out these doors that can walk me along there's a similar journey and be able to take me through the process of what it took to get to that place of sustained recovery that's beautiful Jessica and, and our listeners need to hear that they need to hear how you know all these different pieces of 
the system, whether it's being, you know, being incarcerated and coming out, you know, the lack of reentry and um, the lack of collaboration and partnerships, and you know, federally, yeah, universally, we're trying to change that. You know, all the fundings, collaboration, partnerships, so. and so it's kind of starting to trickle down. You know, and so this is hope. This is hope for our listeners. This is hope for others in recovery. And even those that haven't found recovery yet, you know, this hearing this, hearing these these pieces, because it doesn't matter your color, your background, or what. We've all felt that hurt, that trauma. And and you guys are a voice, multiple voices of of healing and, and hope. Hope rescue mission listeners. How can our listeners get a hold of you guys if they're needing services or support? Well, you can get a hold of us. Um, well, my, my um, blah, blah. <laughs> That's always going to be me. Yeah. I can't help it. But it's OLC. I'm outreach. And you can get a hold of me at my direct line. It is 406-203-1043 or at Hope are at outreach at hopemontana.org and Montana spelled all the way out. I have to say that every time. <laughs> um, so those are the ways to get a hold of me to find out like what all programs we have underneath outreach. We have several different um, ministries. We've got two drop-in centers, um, actually, you know, our homeless street outreach team. And um, we got a ministry called His Body at Work. So we're actually working with actual um, churches and neighborhoods to really reintegrate those that were getting into housing what does it look like on the other side so we're actually getting the neighbors changing changing perspectives and things of that sort and so that's something new that i'm working on um but yeah if you have any questions or want to get involved please reach out and they're also an ally partner of montana's peer network yeah we are (laughs) and so if you you have any questions always outreach to us Thank you for listening today. And if you're interested in joining us for our podcast, get a hold of me at Leah at mtpeernetwork.org. And you guys have a beautiful week. Thanks. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.